0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Off the Record. I'm your host Imogen Marshall and as always please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and to follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. All the details are on our website at www.offtherecorduk.com. Now first of course we've got the news. So this week is obviously ACM week, so we can see all the artists are gearing up for that. There'll be performances from Mickey Guyton, Maren Morris, um, we've got even one for Taylor Swift performing her single, Betty, and so many more. So make sure to have a, keep your eyes peeled for the highlights of that. This week, uh, the Destination Country team will be hosting striking matches on our series of Happy Half Hours this Thursday, along with the pre-recorded show on Sunday, supported by Tim Protty Jones. Congratulations to Russell Dickerson and wife Kaylee, who welcomed their first child, baby boy Remington Edward Dickerson, on Thursday, September 10th. So, congratulations to them. Lee Bryce has announced his Hey World album track listing. It will include the title track and his hit One of Them Girls. Tanya Tucker is also set to release a new live from the Troubadour album. So we're excited about that one. And in terms of releases of this week, make sure to go and check out Mickey Guyton's EP Bridges. That is available everywhere now. It's absolutely stunning. Really stellar songwriting and really delves into some deep issues through her songwriting. So have a check of that one out. And that's been your news for this week now this week i'm so excited to welcome jamie floyd to the podcast to talk all about her um new ep new girl um writing the blade for ashley monroe and what's up next on her schedule so please welcome jamie to the podcast hello hi how are you i'm doing good thanks how are you Doing good. You've had so much go on recently oh my god I feel like congratulations I'm like the list is endless but yeah pretty amazing
1: time for you. It's been nuts. (laughs) It's been awesome and I just kind of been like um just taking it all as it comes and and kind of going I didn't expect all this at one time but here it is. (laughs) It's kind of like one of those things where
0: yeah, it probably didn't feel like 2020 was going to be the year that all this happened. But then, like, I just remember you were at your EP release party and thinking back to that and just thinking, would we ever have predicted that this was going to be how this year
1: would go? No. <laughs> I mean, because I, January and February um, and March actually were amazing, you know, because yeah. I was and like it and Kesha was singing the song all over tv and all these things and it was um and I had like 80 tour dates lined up and it was oh going god. to be the best year you know of yeah my career, that's for sure but what's crazy is like in March I thought oh my god it's okay obviously not yeah. but it actually did turn into the best year of my career
0: like yeah not, I mean you know? pre-debut that's kind of what so many people kind of gear up to is like playing that stage just what did that kind of feel like i mean obviously it's very different kind of opry debut to the usual but it must it's still so it's the opry it's special regardless.
1: Oh. honestly i um i think it wasn't you know it like you said it was it's different from how they normally are mm-hmm. obviously you have a full yeah. audience and everything uh usually but um but this time, I almost think that this was more special and that um, so many things um, had to had to happen, both good and mm-hmm. bad, for, for that performance to come together. And um, you think that, oh my gosh, the Opry is the most special thing. It can't get any better, right? You're yeah. making your opera; you can't get any better. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine that it could get better, but it did because to be on stage with that incredible, you know, gold star mother here in America who lost her child, who wrote that song, you know, to, to honor him, to sing a song like that, I think is, that's, that's, um, you know, honoring a hero was something that, um, that, you know, me singing one of my songs, which I, which I love and are special to me, but they're nowhere near the importance, you know, honestly life and that and their family and so to to be on the Opry stage with that incredible person you know yeah so and, and helping her um kind of have closure with that and it was just such a magical moment and the fact that we were alone in the Opry was almost like it was spiritual like, in a way like it was like your own private moment with it and you could never mm. have that you know, when do you yeah. get that, right? Like, when do you get that your own private moment on the opera? I was to say, the- it must be kind of like, I always think that way with performance. Like,
0: you, obviously when you have a song that you care so much about, mm-hmm. and you get so in your feels, and then you kind of like, of course, often people will close their eyes, and then they open them, and it's like, oh, I've just had this really like special, intimate, kind of personal moment that all these people I'm just watch. <laughs>
1: Right, right. You're just like you open your eyes, and you're like, oh <laughs> but it it was um it was very it was just very spiritual, honestly. Mm. And um it was um to to fill that whole room just all by yourself, you know, and to just be able to take it in um without anything else going on, um was a once in a lifetime
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I always kind of just like to go back and sort of set the stage for your music in terms of, so where did you kind of grow up? What music did you kind of listen to? And because I feel like your music has got so many different elements in there in terms of the tonality of your voice, even.
1: Well, thanks. I I grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, my parents are from New York. And so they moved mm-hmm. down there. They're, they're a band and they're professional musicians. And so I grew up down there singing with them. And um kind of being part of their band, you know, at some of their gigs um, when I was old enough. <laughs> um, but they had me out there when I was three years old, too. So, um, but I wanted to. <laughs> nice. you know. Yeah, just gigging since I was three. Um, but, uh, so I was influenced by their music, of course. And my dad is an incredible jazz guitarist. They would mm-hmm. play every their band. And my mom's yeah. a keyboard player a singer, and singer. my dad's a singer and guitar player. And so I was very influenced by their influences, which early on were... Um, George Benson and Al Jarreau and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers and George Strait. And so those were my earliest influences. And all of those people are incredible, including James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, um, but all those people are incredible in their own ways and in very different genres. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like a, that's a very diverse list. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but, but they all had one thing in common, which was their incredible musicianship. They were incredible storytellers. And then as I got a little bit older and started choosing my own influences, um, I chose Trisha Yearwood, I chose Leanne Rhimes, I chose Mariah Carey, I chose Leigh And um And that paired with the influences that were kind of embedded into me, uh, made for a really interesting combination. And I loved George Strait too. He was my favorite country music male, you know, and so um, the storytelling in his songs was something that really caught me from the very beginning. And mm-hmm. so that was the melting pot. And um, I actually signed a record deal with Epic Records when I was 11 years old, out of New York. Wow, so that was a fast track. Um, if you you know in in the scope. Yeah. Of and. Uh, and so I was I was signed very early into a publishing deal and all the things and um, I was with them till I was seventeen years old and then I moved to Nashville and I've been there here ever since, so it's been a very interesting journey. I, it I had it. really,
0: like, for better or worse, that's such an eye-opening six years with them in terms of like, particularly in New York and um, it's on so many levels. That's a big eye-opening time.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Because you're a teenager, for goodness' sake. Imagine spending your teen years like in studios and on planes and going back and forth and like you know writing songs. And it was very different, uh, but I wanted that. Mm. You know, I I didn't uh, I wasn't sad that I didn't have prom. No. I, well, you're I think dreams already. It's like what everyone wants. Right. Like I just had different dreams. You know what yeah. I mean. Early on. Early on. And and um, those things are important. But just for me, I had a different trajectory. Yeah. And so it really did um, propel me into Nashville, even though my record deal was out of New York. So yeah. I uh, I, I basically when when September 11th happened, obviously to the entire mm-hmm. world, um, that derailed a lot of what was going on. Yeah. In a bit- in the world in general of course um and and it definitely um changed changed the course of what was happening with me but um in my career you know and i didn't really understand at all because you're a teenager, no. you know, a teenager well so, and I mean, a teenager, it's hard to wrap your head around pretty much anything going on
0: but let alone yeah. like the biggest yeah. thing that happened in a long time
1: right and so i kind of um i i i left i parted ways with epic records they offered me a pop record deal and i really wanted to stay true to country yeah. music so I
0: yeah that.
1: and I, um what are you gonna say i love that you stayed true like it was like
0: because a lot of people would have just been like oh it's a deal i'll
1: right. take
0: form it but it's it says a lot that you're kind of like no this is my artistry and actually that's what that's the most important thing
1: i i did and and my You know just friends and family were like are you sure like are you crazy (laughs) Uh, i was totally supported but at the same time i was like what um but i just knew deep down that it was the right thing to do and it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to do no but it was it was the right thing
0: and well often it's the hardest things and sometimes the most worth having
1: right right i i'm if i had not my life would be completely different had i accepted that record deal yeah and I I don't regret it at all, but I just look back and go, wow! For a seventeen-year-old kid, I really like made a huge decision, and I stuck to my guns. Yeah. Um, and then you know it led me here, and and it led me to Nashville, and and I um I saved up for the year. I I took a full-time job in a in a restaurant, like prepping you know health food items, and yeah. I. I the year that would have been my senior year i graduated from high school a year early in the year that would have been my senior year i uh i worked to save money to move to nashville and i moved yeah. myself here and and ever since you know i've been in and out of record deals and publishing deals and, yeah. and and restaurants and not restaurants and touring the world and being in nashville you know so it's it's really been a roller coaster but i, I feel like say, yeah you've,
0: you've developed such a relationship with the town though i mean the people that you write with and the you know you seem to have just you found your people and you found your place
1: there. yeah I will say the the most amazing uh, example of that early on was when I moved to Nashville I um, within two months of moving here I met John Osborne from Brothers Osborne but of course they weren't Brothers Osborne then they were just John no. and DJ at college uh, but, um, but they were the first people I met and um, along with some incredible people. Chris Young was another Mm. person I met right away and started working with. And we were all babies. Like we were all teenagers, you know. It's weird to think that
0: was before they, before they were the people that people (laughs) think of as now
1: hmm and they were always as talented they were always as talented as they are now just see so everybody knows <laughs> they were that amazing back then I have recordings of John playing guitar and you're just like really um but uh but yeah so you you start to find your people in your community mm-hmm. and and it was worth it you know it was worth yeah. coming here and digging to find that so it's been it's been a really long road but in the last 10 years I've seen all of my hard work and sacrifice and everything really um start to flourish um yeah and,
0: you know, and and show up in, in success. So. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that hard work is part of, I guess, what part of what I kind of like about the genre in terms of people, I don't know whether it's the same in other genres, but it feels like people really respect people who've worked and grafted in the industry and it's not just given the, the most night and people kind of celebrate that, the journey, much as the success yeah. in a way, which oh. is amazing.
1: Yeah. There are some incredibly talented people who show up here and two months later, they have record deal and they're famous. (laughs) And and that's their path. You know, that's their path. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I I am, that was not my path, (laughs) but, but I've had dreams come true that I never imagined were possible. Mm -hmm. And I never knew to dream for myself because it took me so long. Yeah. And I mean,
0: songs like obviously the first time, which I think I sort of became conscious of your music was the you know the blade and that's I mean that's one of the best songs that's ever been written I don't care what anyone says it's just <laughs> it oh, that song that makes me cry every time can you how far into your kind of time in Nashville was that and like in terms of it being from it being written to when it was cut was that a long process because I feel like that was kind of a game-changing song a little bit
1: yeah, it was a game. It changed my life, um, and I'd say so. So I moved to Nashville and in, uh, in 2003. I had been working yeah. here since like, 1998, but in 2003 I moved here and I wrote The Blade, um which is so amazing. I had just lost a publishing deal, you know, and when you lose yeah. a deal, you. F- Wow, I'm not worth the investment. I, people don't believe in me, you know, and that's not necessarily true, but that's how I felt. And, um, I just took it to heart and I felt like I was going to believe in myself and I was going to show everybody that I was worth it and all that, you know? And so right when I lost my publishing deal, not even three months later, I wrote the blade and and I wrote it with um two incredible writers named Alan Shamblin and Mark Beeson and Alan wrote my favorite song Which is called I can't make you love me that Bonnie Raitt first made famous And so I'm in the room with my hero, you know writing a song that I mean it just and Mark is also they're both gonna be in the Hall of Fame the two of the, or Alan is Mark will be um, but the two of them um, you know, were willing to sit down with me at the time, who I'm a waitress with no deal to speak of. So they truly were just working with me because of talent and because- Yeah. Their, you know. And that's
0: when you know you've got something special, is this like, when these, those kind of people believe in you, sometimes that's all the validation you sometimes need a little bit of that.
1: That, when I, I will say that, when I didn't have the validation of any publishers here or any, um, you know, record labels. Yeah. The validation I needed was from my incredible co-writers like that. Because yeah. if I had their respect, that was first and foremost to me. And um, and they certainly, you know, um, were supportive and, and just kind of cheering me on. Yeah. And uh, we wrote The Blade in 2013 um, after I lost my deal. And then it was cut first by Love and Theft. And oh, not many not- people like that. Yeah. No. Um, so Love and Theft cut it, and then they, I think it's been so long, but I, I think they lost their record deal or something business-wise yeah, happened so- where they could put it out. Yeah. yeah, and they couldn't put it out. And so then um, I cut it next for my debut album. And while we were in the studio, um, we finished it, and we were just about to master it. And I was in playing a show in Chicago, and I got a call saying that Ashley Monroe has cut the blade. And I was like what you know and okay what does that mean and so we were like wow and then um gosh not, not even a month later i open up an article i think i don't i can't remember if it was rolling stone i think it was either rolling stone or billboard it was one of the them and it said ashley monroe announces her track listing for her new album the blade and i was like wait what <laughs> <I feel laughs> so like I it's being cut
0: second yeah. rule. Wait, wait excuse me that's what it's called
1: and then the, the most incredible thing to me as a songwriter that I that I really took to heart was that Ashley is an incredible songwriter and she wrote everything on the album except our song. And she names her album after the only song she didn't write, which was just a huge um, compliment coming from such mm-hmm. an And writer. it shows I mean, how much like that song meant to her as well. It's not
0: just hey, like, right, like oh, we so need this right. song to fit this. Like not, I mean, every artist loves every song they're gonna- you, you cut them for a reason but the fact that she's like this song
1: right to, to call and and i just uh that was just really special and but i had also had it coming out on my record so obviously we waited you know yeah, you're kind just, of like happy sad i know i was like ah okay and so um so we still were able to release it we of course you yeah. know had ashley do it first but um but it was just special to hear their take on it, you know, and to hear, but, but another cool thing that was also a surprise is they, um, so Vince Gill and Justin Niebank were the producers on the, on the song and they called us to come listen to it. You know, you get to listen to it beforehand, the writers get to come in. So we went, they were listening to it at um, a studio here called Blackbird, which is Martina McBride's facility. Um, so that was special, like we go into, you know, the, one of the listening rooms at Blackbird. And right before they press play, they're like, okay, you guys ready? It was me, Alan, and Mark. And we're like, okay, yeah, we're ready. And right before Justin presses play, he goes, and by the way, Miranda Lambert is cut a vocal on it and is singing it together with her. And then he plays it, and we're all like, <laughs> so the first time I heard it, I did not know Miranda Lambert was going to be on it. And they told us two seconds before they pressed play. And I was like, at that point, I was,
0: you're like, I do not want to do it myself.
1: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> goodbye you know and so um you know i can't it doesn't get better than that right and so
0: in um, a very special moment like
1: yeah and so so to answer your question it was long-winded but to answer your question from when we wrote it in 2013 to when she cut it in 2015 16 yeah. um that was the life of it so that got cut pretty fast even though it was a couple years it's that was pretty probably people say that's like a fast cut when it's actually just like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like, mean, providing so three, many songs yeah. all the time, so it kind of, I mean, obviously there are some special songs that do stick with you, but mm-hmm. there must also be some moments where you're like, oh yeah, that's, your
1: that song, that was like years ago. Right, right, and so, um, but you know, the Grammy nominations and everything happened in 2016, and I will say my career probably starting in 2014, 13, 14, mm-hmm. right after I lost my publishing deal, it took off. That's when it took off. <laughs> like, oh, didn't done that, but yeah. Very <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I whatever. I just kept working and I didn't give up, obviously. Yeah. And so, yeah, that song really yeah. helped kick things off. And obviously, you cut that song again on
0: your new girl EP, which yeah. is just—it's such a special project. Like, oh, thanks from beginning to end. There's just so many special songs on there, and I think "Life's a Party" is definitely one of my favorite ones. I remember obviously hearing it live, and it was just that was another moment where i think all of us just sat there like wow this song is just life's a party and i think um how you get to heaven those are the two favorites can you talk a bit about those songs and kind of i guess the stories behind them a little bit
1: sure um, so life's a party is a song that i wrote um, back in 2017 with um, it was my first write with Josh Breider, who's an incredible mm-hmm. artist out of texas and and my Dear friend who I've written with a lot named Bobby Hamrick and uh, the three of us um, got in the room that day and I had had this idea about how life is a party and how it is, you know, um, similar to um, a party and life are very similar, you know, people show up or leave and all those comparisons that we use in the song and they, they loved it and we just kind of jumped on it and it was a very easy song to write, believe it or not, yeah. because there was so much there, you know, there, there yeah. was so much you could say. And but I uh, guess it's that when you start with the comparisons and you're saying like, and then the yeah. song, that's the song. Oh yeah, it just kind of really flowed out because, and we were so excited, you know, as we got all those comparisons and put the puzzle pieces together, we were like, ah. Oh. and um, and the song for me is a real full circle because you know i at first to me it was a love song and then it (laughs) represented heartbreak and then it finally represented like redemptive kind of love and how you really never know who's coming to the party you know yeah Um, it's kind of that full circle yeah yeah for me it definitely kept changing um and just getting better you know and meaning more to me um but uh, but I always knew that was special and, and at the time I, I was um I was signed very briefly and it was interesting, you know, they didn't even acknowledge it when I turned it in, you know, the business people. And so it was awesome to to know that I believed in it, even if nobody mm-hmm. else did it, you know. And you just kind of have to do that. You have to as an artist here national, you really have to stick to your guns, even if it's yeah. not Popular opinion, maybe among your your business team or or you know a certain publisher at the time. If if you really know in your heart that something is special, I have found that when I've stood behind my creative decisions and when I've really known, um, you know deep down that something was special, it always. Well, it keeps you also.
0: (laughs) It also keeps you being your you know your own artist and knowing who you are, uh, rather than people fitting you into a mold or yeah being something that you're not um
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right and and that song was one of those songs where i said you know what even though they're not acknowledging it i know there's something special about this and and i'm gonna i'm gonna prove it must be kind of validating when people are like oh yes that that's a really special song you're like i love, I love anytime you know you yeah. write songs to connect with people and when people mm-hmm. connect with something okay, we did our job right, you know? Um, but that song was just beautiful. And then and then to shoot the video for it recently was just, just is a great representation of the magic around that song because yeah. we shot it in Alaska and at midnight, you know, and it was bright out and it had rained and we thought the shoot might be ruined and all these things. And then a double rainbow comes out of nowhere and it just lines up. You can't schedule a rainbow for a music no. video. Okay? No. Uh, <laughs> and so that video wouldn't have been the same without that rainbow and the fact that um, the fact that in a song about how life will surprise you life surprises you in the music video was like this it just had such a a little sparkle around it and so so that's kind of the story behind life's a party and then um how you get to heaven is is the last um kind of hidden track on the ep it's the only track, and um, it's a song I wrote with Ken McNeins, um who is a writer out in California, and it was our very first write, and he had this idea about how you get to heaven. How is it that you get to heaven it's not necessarily um maybe it's not what people expect like how can we do a song you know that's kind of you you think one thing and we're saying another you know you you think the norm is this and we're gonna say something else and and just kind of touch on um our main goal was was to communicate within the song about how if we all just truly loved each other how much that would change the world you know that's basically what we were saying and, yeah. and uh and we wrote it in a couple hours. We were on the beach, actually. We were walking his dogs on the beach and he told me about the idea. And we went back to his house and wrote it. Um, oh, before I played a show that night. And uh, and it was just so special from the very beginning. And um, when I recorded it for the album, my um, just one of my musical idols, a guy named Dan Dugmore, it kind of really um, changed country music and, and the style of steel guitar. Mm-hmm on all those eagle songs and linda ronstadt and yeah. all those yeah that's the iconic stuff yes he's an icon and he agreed to play my session for my album and so for that song when we recorded it he was sitting at the steel guitar and i was right across from him playing with him and i have this picture from making the album that's like i cherish because it's yeah. me looking at the camera getting ready to record it and um and he he's just a legend and to have to have him be a part of that song he made it with that steel guitar so it's just me and him and it's gives and, it
0: just a touch of magic doesn't it
1: yeah yeah so so that song and by the way a fun fact about that song um we use we say my grandfather in the song and we we use this kind of this grandfather's teaching to kind of help present the song and and it wasn't about anyone's grandfather by the way when we were writing okay. the song to make sure that it wasn't preachy you know I didn't want it to feel like and you need to do this and this and And, yeah um, because you're doing like behind someone else always (laughs) well you want to make it you want to make it accessible and Mm. you don't want to make it um aggressive and who doesn't kind of listen to a grandfather when he talks right And we've all done, we've all listened to our grandparents, you know, if if you're lucky enough to have them around in your life. And, and it was just using, using that vehicle to present an idea in an accessible way. And that's just a song thing. I love that.
0: Yes, it does make it I, d- I know what you mean in terms of it, just making it that layer, layer more accessible rather than just being like...
1: Yeah, where it's not preaching and you're going, wow, this this sounds like someone's wisdom and it certainly is. We just presented it that way so that people could access it and, and relate. So...
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. obviously the but, other special thing that's happened this year, I don't think you've just like been building up, just it's just like, just crescendo. <laughs> what, what is next at this point? Um, it's obviously your cuts <laughs> and dress. Was, was that... How did you find out, I guess... When you knew that you were gonna get that cut on that, her debut. Oh,
1: well, I about found out when everyone else did. <laughs> and in I terms feel like this of is like, the odd um, thing is you think that it will happen like way in advance. It's like, nope, nope, you find out with everyone else. Yeah, you kind of like, because a lot of times when, when people are making a debut album, things can change at the last minute, big time. So, yes. so a lot of them aren't shared necessarily right off the bat, um, you know, in, in business because it could change and no one wants to hurt yeah. anybody's feelings or you know, get your hopes up. And so, um, I wrote that song with Ingrid and Zach Abend back in 2015, oh, again, when I was waiting tables and had no deal or anything like that. And, uh, and I wrote it with them and, um, And I guess it was one of the songs that helped Ingrid get her record deal that I've read. uh, You know, I've read that that's part of her story, yeah. And and I believe that because um, as the years went by, because in 2015, Ingrid had a publishing deal and that's how we met. She didn't have a record deal. And so we were just trying to write good songs, you know? And so fa- fast forward five years later and, and she's able to get a record deal partly because of, I guess, yeah. you know, the songs that she'd written, ours being one of them, our song made it all the way to the debut album and they only put eight songs on the record. Yeah, so it, was, for, it was a small album actually. So, like, so for it to make because it's just one. Yeah, it was, Zach and I uh, had talked and we were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we made it. <laughs> because it was probably one of her oldest songs. Like, because think about that it, really she is. has five years to write with the best of everybody. What do they say? You have how many years to write your debut and... Right, and no time to write your second (laughs) one. Right, Exactly. And so the fact that ours made it after being a five-year-old song was um, was really special. And, and I guess her album came out in March of this year. And in February, uh, just a couple weeks before, I was in a business meeting actually at a cafe. And the head of Warner Brothers came over to the table and was like, Hey, Jamie, congratulations. And I was like, four <laughs> and he was like your Ingrid song is like incredible I, I have you heard it yet and I was like no <laughs> and he was like you letting me know I know and so you know what I mean things and it's like things are just at the last minute you know you get little bits and you get little yeah. underground like you know you get the the, no, um, no. the word on the street you know and uh and so he let me in on that and I was like really and he was like yeah so they of course were in touch and everything once they finalized yeah. it but it was just funny when he knew of course before anybody else would and so he told me that and it was so, I couldn't have timed it better such a Nashville moment because I was like basically in an interview with a publisher that I was thinking of signing with or working with yeah. and then the, the Warner Brothers comes over and is like congratulations on your new cut and I was like I couldn't have planned this any better you know? like yeah if you'd planned that it wouldn't have been quite <laughs> no cool. no and the publisher I was meeting with was like wow, that is the most amazing like random thing to happen during a like interview. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect, it was perfect. So like perfect timing. Oh, uh, so I
0: guess, I mean, you've had so much happen, but <laughs> what is next kind of in terms of your rest of your year? You've obviously had music video out and all these exciting things, but I guess what's next?
1: Yeah, Um. so I am, um, I have. I, I can't talk details yet. But I have um have what looks like a couple really um other kind of major songs that are going to come out um that are being recorded um and it's all in the pop world by the way by right? mm-hmm. and it's people that I've um that I've really admired for yeah. for years and uh, and big surprises to me so um so I definitely have some some songs that I've written that are coming out by the artists um and. Uh, I, I just have to keep my mouth shut a bit longer, <laughs> but but that's really exciting. On
0: socials, follow you, and
1: then uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, you know, um, but but you know, certain things you can't announce obviously before they do. So um, so I can just say that there's a few artists that I have just idolized for a long time, and their voices are spectacular. That that have recorded songs of mine. Oh, uh, like, oh, yeah, and then um, and then I've got um, so I'm writing all the music for a brand new Broadway musical called The King's Wife. And I don't know if you know that, uh, but there's, what'd you say? I just said, that's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) so speaking of you all, um, I know that we've been, um, I know that my, just our whole camp and everything, has um, been in talks with um, the West End kind of as well about potentially, um, you know, who knows, the sky's the limit. It could be New York, it could be the West End, it could be anywhere um, where we kind of come in and start to uh, work on work on our stage situation. Um, but who knows, you might see me in London, you know, with our collection. Oh, but it has ties. It has ties, the, the reason the West End, um, might be someplace we come is uh is so the the play is called the king's wife and it's um about the relationship of Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII and how they maybe Catherine and Anne you know how history says that they're yeah. kind of fighting and we've done a whole new spin on it to where the two of them were working together as best friends this is exciting and, yeah so it's like and by the way it's all pop music it's not a country music musical by any means so it's a Tudor, like dark epic drama um but it also has a lot of dark comedy and and uh and i've written all the music so i'm the sole composer on it and uh it's like those big ballads you want on broadway but it's also like super pop like yeah you know like all the like i don't know like Taylor oh Swift, did, you know, Atlanta, people that you know yeah. female pop you know, kind of influence um, or that I've loved that that I brought their influence to the writing of it and uh, So that has a lot happening around it and uh,
0: huge project um, mm-hmm.
1: must be really different
0: as well like a completely different thing to be working on which is really cool yeah,
1: yeah so that's happening and then um I don't have an exact date for you but I'm in kind of like a, a writing like little our little writing team uh slash band called the three of us and it's um uh, me and Maddie Diaz and Rabel yep. um, and we write. I, have- I recognize <laughs> the name your social <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We wrote the Kesha single that that came yeah. out um, this year together called Resentment. And um, we just, that was our first cut together, which is amazing. And and so the three of us decided to put our song demos um, online so, you know, people can yeah. hear them and we put out our songs. And so we have another song that's going to come out soon. Um, and uh, we're just working on it now. But we, so we have a new release and we just, kinda, we all have our own separate artist careers. And, yeah. Maddie is going to come out with an album that is going to blow everyone's mind. And so is Rabel. So we're all working on our own things, but at the it's, same time, but it's cool to come together as well and have something. Yeah. We yeah. We just be. wrote the other day. Yeah. We just wrote the other day. Um, and we were just planning our new release. So that's something that's coming. It's really exciting. And, um, I think I'll go in and, and start on new music too soon because I'll be touring again. I'm already booking, just like all of us are booking 2021 right now. So, so yeah. Um, so, 2021's tour schedule is, is almost booked right now. So, I'm a really busy. Yeah, <laughs> really I can Oh, my gosh. Yeah, already. But, and then my my sister is getting married. I'll be getting married. I just got engaged. So, Congrats. all of the things, personal business, all the things. And so, um, actually, my fiance is nominated for a CCMA right now in Canada. Um, his band called Sons of Daughters. It's so just like the list continues like the amount it's, of things that are just it's Yeah, really I would rank for you to say hi to him but he's he's not here <laughs> the joys of Zoom. But, oh, um, so just lots has has happened. In August I played the Grindel Opry, the CMT debut happened and I got engaged. And I cannot I could never have crammed all those things into one month but somehow we did. <laughs> so There's
0: incredible well i just it couldn't happen to a, a better artist and a nicer person so i'm thrilled for everything that's happening for you um and just hopefully when let's get a vaccine so everyone can come over <laughs> and um yeah excited to hear a bit more about all the projects that you've got going on so thank you jamie me
1: too thank you so much for having
0: me Billy, <laughs> and hopefully chat to you soon
1: yes i would love that
0: have a great rest of your day and a great weekend yes yeah, you too bye. Right. Bye. bye Bye. so thank you so much to jamie for that and that will do for another episode of off the record make sure to tune in next week for another episode
1: and have a great week bye y'all